This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Jank E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. It has once again been quite some time since we've been together. Because you're cursed. Excuse me, how is my local internet company, my only option, might I add, being just straight garbage, my fault? Because you're cursed! That's a tautology. I am the president of Tautology Club. <sighs> anyway, since it's been so long, apparently the universe has decided to punish us by filling the last couple of weeks with nothing short of depressing and serious stories. What, another episode about people behaving badly? Well, you know, kid, that is our bread and butter. Did the Monovortex eat did the Monovortex eat Mercury's retrograde again? Um, again? Our top story this week is misgendering at Mox Masters, a webcam-based CEDH tournament hosted by Playing With Power and conducted over Discord. It was somewhat controversial to begin with because it was proxy-friendly, which, as we've discussed before, is always a hot-button topic, and also conducted over webcam while charging money but also having cash prizes but then there were allegations of numerous people just being awful, uh, but more specifically in this case, intentional misgendering. Players came forward on Twitter complaining that they had been misgendered, and that there was social pressure not to be the one to call a judge to the table. Other players complained about the presence in the tournament of another player who had been banned from other CEDH events and groups for abusive behavior. Mox Masters put out a statement a few days after the tournament addressing both incidents, in which they stated that misgendering is considered unsporting conduct major, with the penalties starting at a match loss and upgradable to instant disqualification, and said that they strive to create an environment where players feel safe calling a judge. Which is the fairly standard expected response when something starts to get community blowback at the level this did. The second part of the response, addressing an abusive participant, was a little bit more defensive. They stated that they were only made aware he was in the tournament after it had started, and unfortunately they just didn't have a mechanism for a quick response, we guess. Which is bad practice on its own. Claiming it's the first time something like this has happened to them is no excuse because anyone running major events should know by now that things like this happen. But it was compounded by Twitter user Flowerfay coming forward with screenshots of a conversation she had with a tournament organizer in November in which she was assured that the player in question was banned, but that it was kept private to avoid a media circus. Uh-huh. And how is that working out for everyone involved? Well, they're allegedly at the point of blocking people who call them out on Twitter, so... A lot of the Twitter responses to this discussion were horrifying, by the way. Of course they were. Half of the reasonable people, actually more than half of the reasonable people, left once a specific elongated muskrat took over. Also, Kit, what have I told you in the past about reading comments? That it's necessary for research purposes and helps me to be a good reporter? 
Well, I really hope you didn't read the comments for every story this week, but before we move on, it is worth noting that most of the blocks that happened seem to have been reversed according to a follow-up tweet from Mox Masters. But, you know, we, we can't prove everything. Anyway, our next story is probably the worst one this episode. There was another incident in a separate event with former podcaster Josh MMM at Magicon Philadelphia, which prompted Adam of Sad Nas to compile a detailed list of several instances of reported terrible behavior. Asylum Gaming removed videos in which they collaborated with Josh and others came forward with new allegations. Still, community reaction has not been as widespread as one might hope. We here at WNXS News and MTG Nexus as a whole stand with the victims and stand for positive conduct and a welcoming gaming community, however difficult that might be to reach. And I have no doubt it will be difficult. Magic needs to start standing up to its abusers before something dramatic happens. The incident that blows up into a community thing is almost never the first incident. Being proactive is the only way we're going to make actual progress, and it has to come from tournament organizers and community leaders. You have to stop looking the other way or dismissing it as, oh, so-and-so is just like that. It's always serious. You never want to think a friend will do that. But you need to take it seriously and act to protect the community, or you will have this conversation over and over, and nothing will ever change. And with that, we return to our usual comedic tone. I mean, hopefully, that means that this is the end of just crap behavior for this week. Well, it's the end of the stories about assault. Oh, come on, Kit! The world is a terrible and cruel place. I note that you said that with a remarkably calm and unfazed tone. I'm just more cynical than you. I don't think that believing the mana vortex causes everything qualifies quite as cynicism. The mana vortex does not condone sexual assault or misgendering. That's all on the people who commit it. Well, imagine my relief. How about before we get to our next sad unhappy, depressing, whatever adjective you want to use in this case story, we cut over to ISO to go over the most recent Pro Tour. Glad to take charge of getting past the depressing things. Starting off with the most exciting news that everybody wants to hear most about, Pro Tour Phyresia happened. There was a healthy variety of decks in the field with Rakdos Midrange, Monogre Devotion, and Gruel Vehicles as the most popular. Our winner was Reed Duke, a storied Hall of Famer who has come close to winning Pro Tours a number of times but has never quite made it. Now he's claimed his first win with an Is It Creativity deck. Our congratulations, this has been a long time coming. His opponent in the final match was Benton Madsen, who put up a stellar fight with the Selesnya Ares deck. Madsen is a newcomer who burst onto the scene in this event after qualifying on Arena on his phone. He stated he thought he would go 0-8, and instead was the only undefeated player at the end of day one, making it all the way to the finals. His obvious joy in the game is an example to everyone of what high-level magic should be about, and we look forward to seeing more from him. Others in the top eight were Derek Davis with Enigmatic Fires, Chris Ferber with Lotus Field Combo, Takumi Matsura with Mono White Humans, Gabriel Nassif with Is It Creativity, Nathan Stewart with Lotus Field Combo, and Shota Yasuka with Rakdos Midrange. That was the big event, but there's a bit more on the horizon. Command Fests have been scheduled. 
Over April 14th to 16th, we will see events in Richmond, Virginia, Indianapolis, Indiana, Orlando, Florida, and Seattle, Washington. Now back to you. Thank you, ISO. I think that it's time for our first break, mostly so we can all let our brains recharge and reboot from all this sadness. When we come back, RCQs at a crypto convention, union busting, and more. RCQs that a what? Hi there, it's your friendly local news anchor, Jank E, and I've got a message just for our listeners. You may notice when you're listening to this episode, as well as the next one, that the information we're giving you is, to put it very lightly, somewhat out of date. Uh, the short version for that is that we don't know why. All we know is we've had some sort of technological issue um, that we hope now has been resolved. Um, in the event that it hasn't, we're still working on it, but, I mean, who knows, maybe Kit's right and I am cursed by the Man of Vortex, not that she'll ever hear me actually say those words. Um, but regardless, we thank you for your patience as we work through this, and we still are going to put out the episodes that we are missing. Uh, if not just to catch back up, just so that you can hear the great interviews we've had over those episodes. Anyway, again, thank you for your patience, thank you for your support, and, uh, we hope that you stick with us. Welcome back. Horrifying crypto stories ahead. The RCQ, or Regional Championship Qualifier System, is no stranger to controversy, nor is Magic the Gathering a stranger to crypto. But usually they don't both come up at the same time, unless there's a sponsorship thing, but I digress. Apparently someone let Ember cool out of Innistrad's moon. Oh great, that's not adding to the horrifying thoughts or anything. Anyway, it was bad enough when we got some surprise RCQs announced because scheduling them on very short notice means people don't get warning in time to go to the event necessarily. The field is going to be much smaller, which means a much higher chance for those who do attend, but a much smaller pool of decks. Dreamhack. A large tournament organizer which hosts gaming festivals all over the country set up modern and pioneer RCQs at ETH Denver, which, as you might guess from the name, is... A crypto convention. I... What is going on with Magic community members going super crypto these days? I feel like the community has a lot of people in it who actually understand the technology. That's the problem. They all think understanding technology is the same thing as understanding other humans. Other humans are incomprehensible. Only the mana vortex knows all, which is why it cannot be looked upon directly. For looking upon it directly will open the gates of your mind to the beyond and you shall never be the same. Madness, madness, I tell you, as the blind eternities consume your soul. Speaking of madness, you've certainly been reading the comments this week, as that's the only thing that triggers this level of it within you. I get angry every time I read the comments. I can look upon crypto without losing all sense of reality. Therefore, it is comprehensible. Do you have a sense of reality? I have many depths. <sighs> Wizards 
surprising many people, did actually respond appropriately. Once it was brought to their attention, they removed it completely from the qualifier lineup, which may be why we're reporting on a minor curiosity and not a massive blow up of controversy. I told you all at the beginning of the show that being proactive gets results. Yes, Kit. Yes, you did. In our next story, TCG player is being quite proactive about all of the worst possible things. Communications Workers of America posted on Twitter that TCG player is still taking steps to prevent forming a union, threatening, <clears throat> including threatening workers with disciplinary action and holding actively anti-union meetings. As a longtime union member in a heavily unionized profession, I will always stand with the organizers and the workers. As someone who's never had the opportunity to join a union, I will still also always stand with the organizers and the workers. This is the second attempt to form a union at TCG Player. The first one ended when the petition was withdrawn after similar union-busting tactics. But so far, that has not worked this time. The Magic community has been overwhelmingly supportive of the unionization drive, much like they were with the Card Kingdom one. And may the curse of the Mana Vortex fall upon the management at TCG Player. Kit, I have to confess, I'm a little confused. First you say I'm cursed by the Mana Vortex, then you said it didn't curse people, and now you're wishing for more curses. Sometimes it makes an exception for people who really deserve it. While we're on the subject of labor issues... Watsi closed its Brazilian headquarters. We don't really know a lot more than this. We don't really know a lot more than that this happened and that Brazilian players are understandably upset. There was a lot of speculation about whether this might herald the end of localized Portuguese translations, but as yet there's been no confirmation of any effect on Portuguese translations, so it's all just speculation. Urza is in charge of customer support at Wizards, I am telling you! And now, let's hear from Diz about March of the Machine. Thanks, Shank. We've had our first look at March of the Machine, and it looks quite exciting. Jenga Taxi stands out as a particularly interesting card, combining card draw, warding, and a transformation. Its flip side, The Great Synthesis, is a saga that functions as a bounce board wipe. Activating it does require seven or more cards in hand, but I look forward to seeing how people break this one. March of the Machines also gives us a new Heliod card and Return of the Gitrog. Previews will start on March 29th, with pre-release starting on April 14th. There will be a non-standard legal bonus sheet called Multiverse Legends with cards featuring characters on their home planes, and what is apparently yet another type of foil called Halo Foils. No word on what they are yet, but there is clearly another attempt to create new collectibles. Secret Lair has some drops upcoming, only one of which we've seen, which includes beautiful art treatments for Questing Beast, Walking Ballista, and others. If you're a Plank Chase fan, it's back with us, including new ones. Visit the Isle of Vesuva or engage in spatial merging to visit two planes at once. Further afield, a small set called March of the Machines The Aftermath has been announced as a set for the story invested. It's also been announced that Commander Masters will be coming in May. And now, back to you. I'd like to try Plane Chase, I think. I've never played it before. I mean, it's one of my favorite sub-formats of Magic, so I agree that you would probably like it as well. And on that note, it's time for our second commercial break. When we come back, a look at the next Universes Beyond. 
Welcome now, all you listeners. Just sit on down by your radio boxes and tune on in to Grampy Jank's Story Corner. It will be coming very, very soon, and I'll just give you the briefest of summaries of what's been going on with the magic story. All you need to do is get your popcorn and your egg creams, and you can just listen on as Grampy tells you all about Phyrexia and the fall of Phyrexia, which wasn't as bad as the winter of Phyrexia, where I had to walk uphill both ways to get to the next level of Mirrodin, or Nilphyrexia as it's called nowadays, but in those days it was called Mirrodin. And we're back! The next Universes Beyond will feature Tales of Middle-Earth. Instead of just a small drop or a few commander decks, though, like Warhammer 40k or the upcoming Doctor Who decks, this one will be an actual, full, draftable, usable card set. And modern legal at that. Is this the wave of the future? Apparently so. It certainly sells with and with Hasbro under fire for cannibalizing their own audience. Appealing to audiences outside the magic community is certainly a strategy. I mean, they did admit to being too aggressive with their pricing on an investor call, which is itself shocking. It'll be more shocking if they do anything about it. That sounds like more cynicism, Kit. I am very cynical. And yet you believe in the goodwill of the Mana Vortex. Have to believe in something or you'll go mad. But doesn't looking into the Mana Vortex also drive one mad? Well, I don't look into it. I have some regard for my own safety. No, you just believe and bow down to it. Anyway. Bow down to it? Anyway, I Kit. I simply help it out, Kit. That's all for this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>